0: So here's how it starts. All right, so Colin's got baseball practice. We get down to the baseball field. He's all suited up. Everyone's ready. Sit in the car. It's freaking freezing. It's so cold outside. And we're like, where's the coach? No one's here. I go, "Is anybody from your team here? He's like, no. I reread the email. Come to find out it said Tuesday instead of Monday. So I'm like, ah. All right, so it starts. Get back in the car. Get home. They're like, I'm like, you didn't play, Colin was playing, you're going to sit and watch, all right? All this stuff happened. And so we get home, and it's chaos. So I'm like, let's play a board game before bed. Let's just play a board game. So we got this brand new game. Uh, it's the Game of Life. It's not, I mean, that's not new. But um, it's a it's an iPad version. And so it's like the board game, but then you take the iPad and you put it in the middle. And it's pretty cool. It's got like a spinner. Um, and you get to like choose the pieces and name them and all this stuff. So Eden, lovely Eden, jumps on the thing and picks hers, names it. Colin goes ballistic. <clears throat> She always picks blue. I want to be blue for once. Why are you always get to be blue? Punches her. Whoa! So, he, he, so here's Colin. And Eden's like, Wah! So what does Colin proceed to do? You know, a normal brother would be like, I didn't do it. I'm sorry. Comforter. No, he goes and picks blue. All right. And so, <laughs> so he picks blue. So then Griffin walks up kicks Colin, and picks Blue. I'm like, what is happening? So Colin retaliates, punches him. They're beating the junk out of each other. So here's the scene. Eden's still screaming. She's just standing there. She's like, ah, you know what I mean? And then Colin's like, I didn't do it. He started it. She started it. Math and Sardi's not even involved. I'm like, what the heck? Um, and Griffin's freaking out, going, oh, my God! I want to be Blue. And so I'm like, okay, guys, let's calm down. And I didn't see this happen behind me as, this was hap- as I was covering them mathin slips behind me, goes to the iPad, and picks everybody's character for them. And then so the everybody's like <laughs> And so everybody's screaming. I'm like, that was my Monday, okay? And so here's the lesson that I just realized and I learned today from that is my kids are selfish. Alright? <laughs> my kids are so selfish and they are constantly warring at each other and I tell them what to do, but they don't do it. They said, they, like, like, calling and goes, well, I thought about it, but then I wanted to do what I wanted to do. I'm like, at least you were honest. You know, and they're just like constantly, they're just like, I want to do the right thing for you, Dad, but I just can't. And I'm like, what? Just do it. Just do the right thing. DTRT, do the right thing. He's like, oh, that thing. I'm like, no, no, just do it, you know. Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever, like, try and do good things, and you just do bad? Uh, and I'm not, like, you're not going out murdering someone. Right? But, like, but it's like, do you ever, like, okay, God, I, I, I meant, I, I really meant to do good. Like, I really meant to read my Bible. I really meant to pray. I really meant to just talk to this person about Jesus. I really meant to help this person. But I didn't. I really meant to study. But I didn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? I really meant to get to work on time. But I can't. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm always like, anywhere. But it's like, um, do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like you're constantly warring with yourself? Like you're always struggling with yourself. And you're like, okay, my mind is telling me to do it because I know what God wants me to do. But for some reason, the rest of my body's going this way. You, and you're like, and then you sit in your head, you're going, why did I just do that? Welcome to Romans 8. Okay? We're starting a new series called Romans 8. Um, and this is. This is what's really cool. Paul does not talk about any of this in Romans 8. He talks about this before Romans 8. Romans 8 is the answer to how to fix this problem. Let me, let me turn to Romans 7 real quick. Let me, let me show you something. <clears throat> Romans 7, verses 21 through 25 says this. <clears throat> I've discovered the principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I love this. I love the NLT. I inevitably do what is wrong. What a blatant, bold statement by Paul, the guy who wrote most of the New Testament. And here he is writing this letter to the Romans, and he's pretty much just confessing. 22, I love God's law with all my heart. If you're a follower of Christ, would you say that? I mean, I I say that. But there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am stupid head you know that's what i feel like i call myself who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death does that sound familiar i mean my might not speak those exact same words but you ever feel like that verse 25 says this thank god the answer is in jesus christ our lord but then he goes right back to it so you see how it is in my mind i really want to obey god's law but because of my sinful nature i am a slave to sin my kids have a sinful nature. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I mean, they're cute and all and cuddly, you know. But it's like, what the heck, dude? But how many times do we act like that and we sound like Paul? I was just this afternoon in my office. I'm like, why did I just do that today? You know, it's like, what is wrong with me? <clears throat> I'm a minister of the gospel. Why am I like acting stupid? You know? <clears throat> and we tell ourselves that. And Paul had the same issue. And so the book of Ro- the, sorry, the letter to the Romans. Is all about how um, it's it's Paul trying to explain to the people of Rome, to specifically to the Christians, how God makes sinful people righteous. And so he gives this description, which is really what's happening with him. But then in chapter 8, which some theologians call the best chapter in the Bible. Which, I don't know if that sets you up for failure right there, if I can't live up to those expectations. But, <laughs> but they say is the one of the best chapters in the Bible because it answers the con- to the conversation that goes in their head all the time. It gives us hope. It helps us understand that we are righteous. Uh, I'm sorry, unrighteous, but we are made righteous through Jesus Christ. And praise the Lord, our stupidity does not get in the way. You know what I mean? Because uh, I don't know about y'all, but I, sometimes I just trip over my own feet. Sometimes I'm just like clumsy, and then I just blatantly like, sin. I put other things before God in my life. I lie. I steal. I might, I, you know, it's, some of us in here, we might commit adultery by lusting after someone. Do you ever feel like that? You're just like, why can't I just stop? So praise the Lord, Paul gives us something right here. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go through verses 1 through 11 today, and we'll take the rest of the Bible and the next, uh, the rest of the, not the Bible, the rest of chapter 8. I ain't going to happen in three weeks. Sorry, guys. <laughs> be a giant overview. Jesus, amen. All right, so, (laughs) I win. All right, so 1 through 11 today, and then we'll finish up, it's a four-week series, and then we'll go into senior challenge at the end of the semester. Um, Can you believe we already have five weeks left? That's, oh, sorry. (laughs) That's crazy. Sorry, I just stressed you out, didn't I? All right, so, verse 1 starts with the word, so, in my Bible. Some of you start with, therefore, some of you, since. Uh, if you ever heard the word "therefore," you—some of you heard me say this—you need to find out why it's th- what it's there for. Why is the "therefore" there for? Ah, uh, but. I'm t- <laughs> Kisa, all right. And so, sorry, mission, mission trip moment. All right, but the reason the "so" is there is—it's a—it's a response to what I just read to you about what Paul is saying. So, now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus, and because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. You see, the law of Moses wasn't able to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his son in a body, like the, bodies, like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did, he did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. That excites me. I don't know about y'all. Even with all the junk going on this week, even with Monday night behind my back, this excites me. Because you know what this, do you understand what this means? I mean, okay, look, look, look at just verse 1. There's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. All of us know that. We're like, yeah, I got it, Raul. I mean, no, no, no. Do you understand what that? how cool that verse is? No matter how, no matter what we do, if we're a follower of jesus christ we are forgiven do you know the implications of that we don't do you ever feel guilty when you sin do you ever feel condemnation like someone's watching me and judging me do you ever feel like that all the time i'm the only one in this room okay so but you don't have to there's freedom in christ there is no longer condemnation for those who belong to christ jesus who belongs to christ jesus those who are saved, let's see, let's go with Christianese. Saved, justified, you've been sanctified, Jesus-fied, whatever you want to say, you know. It's like anything, <laughs> it's like if you belong to Christ Jesus, you, you can say you've prayed a prayer, you, you are a follower of Jesus Christ, to go on last semester's terminology from not a fan. You are a follower of Jesus Christ. There is no longer any condemnation. Now here's the cool part, it gets better. Verse 2 explains how because you belong to him, and the him is of course Jesus Christ, uh, it says the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Now, some translations, specifically the NIV, says "law." ESV says "law" as well, um, and, instead of the word "power" for both of those. Now, let me explain that. This is what's really cool. Let's let's let's, let's read it again with the word "law." And because you belong to Him, the law of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the law of the sin that leads to death. And then we'll go into verse three. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. The law of Moses is basically the Ten Commandments. What is it? What are some of them? Thou shalt not kill. Steal. Having a, any graven images onto the mother and father? Ooh. Uh, yeah, all that fun stuff. All right, and so uh, the Ten Commandments, we all know about those. Those are called the law, or the law of Moses. Moses came down from the mountain, and he had those um, those tablets with Charles and Heston all around him and stuff like that. And it's, like, amazing, like, glory. No. And so the Ten Commandments are the law of Moses. But here's what's interesting. The law was created by God. To under, help us understand what sin is, right? Because before the law, we didn't realize we shouldn't lust after someone or commit adultery. We didn't realize that people were doing that left and right. We didn't realize that we shouldn't kill people. There was no—I mean, it was a given, but we were like, should we? You know, there's nothing that really says we shouldn't do that. <clears throat> and So God brought this to show us our sin. But God did it also not so we'd be feel guilty and condemned, but so we can run back to Him and say, "Forgive us, God." But then we, with our sinful nature, decided not to do that. We started doing. We said, well, we'll just offer sacrifices. That should keep us okay until the next year. But really, we'd sin as soon as we offer the sacrifices. Um, And so the law became sin to us. Isn't that interesting? We saw it as a sinful, horrible thing that God puts on us. Like if you walk on campus today and you talk to people, a lot of them say, yeah, I'm a good person based on the Ten Commandments. But are you? Because I can't even hold those up. Can you guys? That's like a perfect standard. And so this law became sin in our minds. And Jesus and, and Paul tells us here that Jesus, if we belong to Jesus, the law of the Spirit, the power of the life-giving spirit, overcomes that and fulfills that, so that there is no condemnation through Christ Jesus. We're only in verse two. How and cool is that? You know what I mean? I don't know about y'all, but we're about to get crazy and like a little baptizal because it's talking about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> All right. This isn't talking about just some random spirit. This is the Holy Spirit. Man, I just gave away the whole message. I wasn't supposed to do that till later. But anyways, all right. <laughs> um, and then, but here's what's really cool. It gets even better. So God did what the law could not do. Because you see, the law helped us understand what our sin was. But that couldn't save us, could it? Because we couldn't hold up to it. So God's like, so this law may be impossible, but I can do anything. Nothing is impossible for God. And so verse 4 goes into Jesus Christ, right? He sent his son, Jesus Christ, in the likeness of man. So he's fully God, fully man, to live this perfect life, so that he can die on what? This cross. This criminal's cross for all our sins so we no longer have condemnation and we live, and we live for God and we have this spirit where we have peace in life now. Man, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, verse 4 says, he did this so that the just requirement of the law would be what? Fully satisfied. Do you know what that means? You don't have to work at it anymore, guys. Seriously, you don't have to work to please God. You don't have to work to earn God's favor. You don't have to work so that God won't be mad at you. Don't, anyone, don't ever let anyone tell you God is mad at you. Look at verse 1. No condemnation. That means he's no longer... He might discipline you, but there's no, he's no longer mad at you. How cool is that? We are fully justified through Jesus Christ. who Because we no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. If you underline, underline that verse... Because that's the premise of everything we're going to talk about today. You see, my kids are full of sinful nature. Oh, my gosh. I've got to constantly redirect them. I don't know if you guys ever feel like that with some friends of yours um, or your parents. Some of you are trying to take care of your parents or even yourself. Trying to direct them is like hurting cats. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, like, it's like stop beating the junk out of your brother. Why? It's funny. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this morning, Like I don't, some of you know this. Like Eden does this thing. Oh, my gosh. She just likes running with her hand out, but her hand is at that level that every guy does not want to be hit at. So this morning she's doing, Ha ah, ah, oh. sinful nature, okay? She doesn't believe me when I say my wife is like that's not sinful nature, that's just being no, that's sinful nature. She's laughing, all right. That was free, all right. So uh, it says. Who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. I want to read you this cool quote. Um, the Holy Spirit's main purpose is to empower believers for holy living. While sin's main desire is to drag a person down to death. Isn't that interesting? So the Holy Spirit gives, gives life, right? While sin gives death. Uh, what is it? Romans uh, 6.23. For the wages of sin is... Sin is anything that, does, that goes against God. And so all the wages of sin is death, but the Holy Spirit gives us life. So why do we constantly deal with this sinful nature that's supposed to be in our past, that makes us feel guilty and condemned? Sometimes I feel like I do that because I just want to. You know what I mean? Sometimes we, we miss it. Sometimes we're like, ah, oh, it's over there. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? And we just mess with it a little bit. And sometimes it just comes at us out of nowhere and we give in because we don't know what else to do. You know what I mean? So it's never going to leave us. The Bible doesn't say you'll never, have a, you'll never let go of your sinful nature. You'll, oh, that's until we get to heaven and perfection and completion through Jesus Christ when he comes back. So that's not going to happen. So we're constantly dealing with this, right? Um, let me read you another quote. God's work is never accomplished by human effort, but only by divine enablement. It has always been this way. So even though we deal with that, we constantly try and fix ourselves, don't we? If you're at the Bible study Monday and the mercy of that's the kind of talk we talked about this. So many times we try and fix an action. Uh, we try and say, why do I keep doing that? Why do I keep going back to that? And we say, we need to fix this. I need to fix this. But the only way it's going to happen is through the changing of the Holy Spirit and through the divine enablement of the Holy Spirit can we change. Uh, and, and Paul really gets into more of that in the next section. So let's go ahead and read that. Verse 5. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Quick pause. What do you think about right now? Sinful nature, Holy Spirit. Just asking. I wasn't thinking about the Spirit. All right. <laughs> thinking about my kids and I not need to spank them. All right. <laughs> Just kidding. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. When you were praying, I don't know about you, I didn't say a word. I just needed God just to to calm my nerves. Do you get that peace from God? If you're following the sinful nature, you're not going to get it. If you're following the Holy Spirit and giving Him the time of day and understanding and walking through what God's trying to tell you, you'll get that Peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of the sinful nature can never please God. So, in this section of text, we've moved from this freedom in Christ to Paul saying, You have this freedom in Christ. Why do you keep going back to the sinful nature? And then he explains the difference between the sinful nature and walking in the Spirit. Uh... Pause on that. Switch over to Galatians five real quick, and he gives a, 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 a deeper explanation of what this is. Galatians five nineteen says this: When you follow the desires of your sexu- of sinful nature, that's later, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger. Ooh, that's a tough one. Selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So here Paul explains what he's talking about in Romans 8, about this sinful nature, this flesh, which is our body. It's our human self, not the spirit part. And we're getting a little weird at this point. Um, but it's like these, these sinful, the sinful nature involves sexual lust lustful pleasures, idolatry. A lot of us are like, man, I don't deal with a lot of these. But what about outbursts of anger? Selfish ambition? Basically saying, I want to do what I want to do. Kind of like my kids, you know? Dissension. Envy. That's a tough one, man. Um, some, some of us deal with drunkenness in here, you know? But get this. Verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. So here's the, here's the contrast. Uh, we've got this the selfish nature, the sinful nature, and we've got what the Holy Spirit produces. And it's, these are called the fruits of the Spirit. Love. Love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Did anybody else have a song playing in their head? Yeah, I just can't stand it. All right, and so um, there is no law against such things because that law has been removed and fulfilled in Jesus Christ. 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. So there we see that dichotomy. Sinful nature, what did you get from those things? It's all about me. Didn't you get that? It's everything I want. It's everything I desire. Whereas um, the Holy Spirit produces things that involve other people. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It all affects other people. Everything there affects other people, but... The fruits of the Spirit help other people, don't they? And they help you. They give you that life of peace. Okay, flip back over, uh, back to verses 5 through 7. People's decisions about how they intend to live determines how they think uh, think about things. Moral choice precedes and determines intellectual orientation. People do not think themselves into the way they act, but act themselves into the way they think. And so based on verse 5, what it's saying is, a lot of times we think before we act is what we, we think, no pun intended. But what we do is we act, and that determines how we think. For example, have you ever been, guys or girls, have you been caught off by someone who looks nice, and you do that double take, and you're like, dang, Extend look, you know? <laughs> but then your mind, your mind goes somewhere else, doesn't it? It's never, wonder if I should look at that person. It's never like that, is it? It's always your action precedes your mindset. And so when we try and fix our fix our mindset, we try to change the way we think, our actions continue the same. It's because only the Holy Spirit can change our actions. We cannot. Only the Holy Spirit can renew our mind. We cannot. And so to walk after the flesh would mean to respond throughout the throughout life to those forces of human nature apart from God. To walk after the spirit means to live in accordance with the guidance, dictates and desires of the spirit. Let me read you this one more quote. If a Christian is walking according to the flesh, his mind will not only be on spiritual things, but it will not be on spiritual things, but will only be on earthly things. Um, so, for example, you know when Peter called out Jesus and rebuked him for saying, for, because Jesus said, I'm going to die on a cross, pretty soon Peter's like, no, don't speak like that, Lord. How did Jesus respond? Get behind me, Satan. Wow. And he said, here's, here's what um, Mark 8:33 says. For you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. Isn't that interesting? So when we're living according to the flesh, do you ever notice yourself thinking more about earthly things and less on what spiritual things, less on heavenly things, less on what God wants for your life? And it's all very focused on inward, isn't it? It's so interesting because Paul here tells us, why do we keep doing that? He's like, you are free from Christ. You no longer have to do that. In fact, um... Anybody who is still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. Now, let me explain that. Because when I first heard that, I was like, bro, I fit into some of these things. Does that mean I can never please God? But Paul here is talking to believers. And every time he mentions the sinful nature in in the sense is under the control of the sinful nature, you are no longer belonging to Christ. It's it's someone who does not even belong to Christ, who has never even given their life to Christ. So hear me out. You get to please God. That's the encouraging part. You get to please God in everything you do. When you mess up, he forgives you, and you get to continue to please God. But if you are not a follower of Christ, and you're constantly living in that sinful nature, or if you are a follower of Christ, and you're constantly living in that sinful nature, you're not pleasing God. Now, let me explain that last sentence. If you are constantly living in this sinful nature, constantly um, living in sin, that doesn't mean you, you have temptations. It means you're living in sin, then you're not pleasing God. And you're you're... you're, you're owned by the sinful nature of your flesh and not by god and that takes repentance that takes time to to come back to god and god can do that but you've got to trust that the holy spirit will change you from that now if you're here and you're not a believer in jesus christ that doesn't apply to you you can you you can do whatever you want you're not held by any law but if you want to believe in jesus and what god did for you you're held to a higher standard but you get the holy spirit and you get this amazing relationship with God that gives you life and peace. And that's, and that's what he talks about more in verse 9. But here's the difference. If you are not a follower of Christ, it says, For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It's not whatever. It's hostile to God. Because I don't know about y'all, but before I was a believer, I hated God. I didn't want nothing to do with Him. I was like, why do you have all these rules? I want to do my own thing. And so I was hostile to God, even though I would tell people, Whatever, I'm okay. You know, I don't need God. I'm not mad at him or anything, whatever, if he he exists. But the Bible says because of our sinful nature, we are hostile to God for those of us who are not believers. So let me ask you this. If you're a believer in here, are you feeling hostile towards God for something that's happened in your life and you've not given it over to him? And are you constantly warring with that sinful nature in that area? Uh, Some of you heard my testimony. When I was little, my dad passed away. Uh, That's a very quick version. And I was angry at God. I was super angry at God. I wasn't a believer, but I was super angry at God. And I held on to that even after I became a believer. And it only took through the Holy Spirit uh, convicting me for me to give that up to God to where now I have life and I have peace through the Holy Spirit. Just like Paul's talking about here. So if you're holding on to something, man, read the book of Romans. It caused revival through John Wesley because John Wesley read the notes and the comments of, um, of Martin Luther who started the Reformation all because of the book of Romans and especially chapter 8. So if you need, if you're looking if you're here tonight and you're hurting you're looking for spiritual renewal man read the book of Romans, um, we're gonna give you some tools tonight to help you also with that. So sorry that was a quick tangent. <clears throat> Verse nine. So what? So what's all? So Paul you're telling us all this stuff rattle you all, all over the place. Uh, why you keep what, what's with all this information? What do I do with it? Verse nine through eleven clears it up for us. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember. Those who don't have the spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. You know why that verse is so encouraging? It tells us so clearly that as soon as we believe in Jesus, we get the Holy Spirit. There's no, like, extra Holy Spirit. There's no more of Holy Spirit. We get the fullness of God living in us at that moment. Do you understand how cool that is? It's weird, too, because you're like, wait, dude, God's living in you, the creator of the universe? That's weird. It is but it's cool. All right? I don't know how to explain it. It's just cool. Let me read you a quote based on that. All Christians have the Holy Spirit, or they do not belong to God. We just read that. Um, Nowhere in Scripture do we find a clearer indication that the Spirit enters a person's life at the moment of conversion. If the Spirit needed to wait for some subsequent commitment to holiness, it follows that he would be absent between conversion and that later point in time. But that can't be, because Paul clearly indicated that a person without the Spirit does not belong to Christ. It is because God has given us His Spirit, and God has given us His Spirit as proof that we live in Him, and He in us. By the way, that's 1 John 4.13. Without His Spirit, there is no assurance of salvation. So some of you tonight are like, I just don't feel the Spirit. You don't have to. It's there. You have Him. If you're a follower of Christ, it doesn't mean you have to some kind of weird presence, you have it. You have the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead living in you. And I just read verse 11. Dang it, I keep skipping ahead of myself. <laughs> verse 11, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Okay, cool. So let me talk about that. All right, so do you, do you understand what that means? So if you've got, so if, when you believe in Jesus, you get the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And when He's living inside of you, He enables you to have that same power that raised the Son of God after He took all our sins, past, present, and even the ones you've done today and the ones you're going to do tomorrow, are upon Himself, and received that same condemnation that we should have received, but we don't have anymore because of Him. The same, con- the same Spirit that raised Him from the dead, which we're going to celebrate on Easter Sunday, and I cannot wait, because that's going to be nothing but a celebration of what God has done. I wish it was more than once a year. But like, but it's like, um, we have that same Spirit in us. That raised someone who was condemned with the sins of eternity. So, do you you know what that means? We can conquer anything. How cool is that? Do we don't think like that, do do we? We're like, dang it, I just messed up again. No, you can conquer that. Not on your own strength, of course, because we see that's that's the flesh trying to work and tell you that you can handle it. It's through the Spirit we can conquer that. you are, but you are not controlled by the sinful nature. Going back to verse 9. You are controlled by the, by the Spirit. Now jump to 10. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, your Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. And so all, to sum all this up, all this babble I've been giving you, all this you've, little taste of what Raul's been researching with Romans 8, you have the power to overcome anything. But yet we still deal with the sinful nature. So how do we overcome that? How do we, how do we realize that there's no condemnation? We say that, but how does that get here? How does that get from here to here? How does that get to us moving out? How does that get us to, to reaching this campus? With, how does that help us overcome our past? How does that help us feel free again? Which all of us want, don't we? I don't know about y'all, but I still want that. I still want that peace constantly. And I get it, but I want it like all the time, and yet I still mess up. Uh, it, here's how you get it. Respond to the Spirit. I mean, that's the bottom line for today. Just respond to the Spirit. Now you're like, what? You, you just said you can't see Him. You can't feel Him. He's a part of the Trinity. What do you mean respond to the Spirit? Well, let me give you some examples of how to do this. There's three specific ways you can respond to the Spirit this week uh, and for the rest of your life. Uh, number one our daily choices. The power to walk in the Spirit and turn away from sin begins with decision points we encounter hundreds of times each day. Making the hard choices up front will strengthen one's resolve to be obedient in every thought, word, and deed. Walking in the Spirit is how we take up our cross, crucify the flesh, die to ourselves, and allow Christ to rise up in our stead. A lot of times when we say, when we think we need to um, respond to the Spirit, we need to wait and hear something or feel something. But it begins even before that. It begins with every, we make hundreds of choices every day. It's every little choice not to look that way, not to cheat, not to say this about someone, not to think this way. It's constantly make that choice to move from our sinful nature over to our spiritual nature where we follow what the Spirit says. The second thing is our thoughts. Philippians 4.8 says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So you respond to the Spirit with your thoughts. Think about such things. Have you ever had uh, just just had a complaining night? All you do is complain. You know, you're like, life sucks. I failed my test. My job just come my hours. My girlfriend won't talk to me. I don't know why. You know, it's all this stuff like that. Do you ever just feel like that? You've got to fix your thoughts and respond to the Spirit. The only way you're going to be able to respond to the Spirit and move from that sinful nature of complaining or other thoughts that are bad is renewing your mind by saying, listen, God, you are bigger than this. You are true, you are honorable, you are holy. Thank you for... Uh, quote Romans one eight. there's no condemnation. So I, can't, I don't have to deal with that anymore. I have freedom in you. Please help me with that through your spirit, Lord. The last one is our results. Now this is more of a combination of the previous two, but uh, our lives display the fruit of the spirit. Do you see the fruit of the Spirit, displayed in your life? Are the results of you responding to the Spirit equaling in the fruits of the Spirit? Are your your results like love, joy, patience, peace, kindness, gentleness, self-control? Or are you more like temper, anger, sexual desires constantly, lusting desires constantly, um, envy? What are the results that will determine if you're responding to the Spirit or not? Now, all those are things that we can try and do, and that's great. And like I said at the beginning of this conversation, like Paul's saying is, we can't do anything. There's no condemnation in us, but we now have the Spirit of God to help us up. So you've got to do this through word and prayer. That's where it starts. If you're not reading your Bible, if you're not spending time in prayer, none of this is going to matter. You're not going to be able to respond to the Spirit because you're not going to hear it. You're going to think about your own self. But when you spend time in the word and you're like, well, I got it. No, you don't understand. It helps so much. Uh, do you ever realize, Do you ever notice that when you're constantly in the Word and you're constantly praying, that the choices you make please God and keep you out of sin? Do you ever feel like that? I'm like, man, when I'm not, I'm like, why do I keep messing up? Um, you put God first in all your thoughts, and your results reflect the fruits of the Spirit. Your desires change, and your life changes. You don't feel guilt or condemnation. In fact, you feel peace in life. How cool is that, you know? Um, So in closing, I just want to say respond to the Spirit. As followers of Christ, you are no longer condemned. You have freedom. This whole chapter of Romans 8 is nothing but a celebration of how we have freedom in Christ and how we no longer have condemnation. How stinking cool is that? You know? Um, Don't follow your sinful passions and desires anymore. Man, think about things that are admirable, that are true, that are holy, that are pure. Um, You no longer have a debt to pay. You don't have to work to please God. You are free from all that junk, Man. And so my encouragement to you is respond to the Spirit. When you see something that you know is sin or that you feel like your inclination is going that way, you're getting lazy, you're getting tired, you're complaining, man, move away from that and know that this, you're going to respond to the Spirit. When you feel like you're going you're, you're to fall into sexual temptation, when you feel like you're going to fall into drunkenness, when you feel like you're going, to, um, you're going to cheat on a test, you feel like you're going to cheat at work or do something or cut corners somehow, respond to the Spirit, man. Change your actions. Look at what God wants you to do so that you recognize that's your sinful nature.